Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So we are delighted that you are here uh, this weekend. If you're a father or grandfather, happy, happy Father's Day to you. Happy Grandfather's Day to some of you in the room. And I'm hoping within a couple years, I'll wish myself Happy Grandfather's Day. But in due time, I also, <laughs> yeah, no pressure. I also would love to take this opportunity to say Happy Father's Day to our Heavenly Father. And uh, His love and grace and His continued guidance and work and encouragement in, I know, in my life and I hope your life as well. And so uh, just for this weekend, we're taking a small detour away from our current conversation around the exchange life out of Romans. And I thought I would take the opportunity to gear it a little bit more toward uh, men, not necessarily fathers or grandfathers, but kind of men in general. And I thought I would talk about uh, the DNA of a man of God, the DNA. And so ladies, don't check out. Uh, you might need to help uh, maybe your spouse later on remember some of these things. And so maybe you want to take some notes as well. But the DNA of a man of God. Why don't you join me in prayer? Father, we are so delighted to have this opportunity to be together as your people here in person and even online. Father, we are thankful for the chance and the platform that we're able to, to connect with people in their homes, wherever they're watching this, Father. So bless them, encourage them with this word. Father, our prayer is during this time that we have a, a deeper understanding of what it looks like to be the man that you've called us to be, to be the father, the husbands, the future father and husbands, grandfathers. And Father, help the men, the men and the merging men, those young boys, understand the importance of living a life that honors you. So Father, we pray that you are blessed and honored during this time. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, I invite you to turn in the Bible to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be in a couple scriptures this weekend. Luke 9 will be one of the passages, Luke 9, 23. We also, a little bit later, will be in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But as I began to think about uh, the DNA of a man of God, and, and I will just say up front, I, I know very little about human DNA, and I will not pretend that I do, but a few things that I know about human DNA is that it is that distinctive characteristic or quality of a human's life. It is pivotal to, to our growth, to our multiplication, and to our health in general. But one of the most fascinating things in regard to this conversation this weekend is that our DNA, we inherit it, it from our parents. Uh, we, we inherited that DNA. So sometimes we wonder why we are like we are. Of course, much of that has been inherited uh, through the DNA process. But, but that's the physical DNA. I want to talk about the spiritual DNA of a man of God. And it just kind of lay this out with a simple alliteration, hopefully that you will begin uh, be able to understand and memorize. And so first of all, this DNA of a man of God is a man of God who is a devoted disciple. A man who is a devoted disciple. 
So when you think about what a man looks like as a devoted disciple, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus shares these powerful words. He says, if, if anyone would come after me. Now, someone has said, Pastor, sometimes what you say is different than what's on the screen. And, uh, and so sometimes I just kind of speak it from a place that I might have learned it years ago. You know, there's all these new translations. And so understand, we're just trying to getting the gist of the verse. And sometimes it's just, it's the scripture. Maybe it's in a different version. Is that fair? Okay, perfect. So, uh, so this, Jesus says, and he says to them all, notice that he says to them all, if anyone would want to come after me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross daily and he must follow me. So in this one powerful verse, and there's much more around this context, but I just want to uh, encourage you and just see the importance of this element of being men, of being a devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, these devoted disciples, they do a few things, is that they, we arrange our lives, okay, around the precepts, which are the commands of Christ. We arrange our lives around the priorities of Christ. And we arrange our lives around the purposes of Jesus. Though so there's this intentional arrangement where Jesus is actually saying in the verse, when you say deny yourself, he's actually saying, I'm asking you to give up your life for the life that I have for you. So we see this around, again, we see it around his precepts, his priority, and his purposes. Now, notice the passage. Stuart, can you go back to the passage? Notice two things that he says. First of all, he says, I want you to deny yourselves. Say that with me. Deny yourselves. And then he follows that up and says, you're going to deny yourself. And you do that by taking up the cross, your cross. Now, what's important to understand in this passage is that Jesus is using, in the original language, uh, these, these aorist middle imperatives. This is super important. This is the verb tense. This is the language. And aorist is a point in time. So think of a, a snapshot. He's using the aorist language in the middle voice, which means that the verb is taking the action, and it is in the imperative mood. In other words, it is a command. It is a command. Now, this is super important because as you think about the passage, you think about deny self, take up your cross. Notice that these are specific points of time, but they are repetitive in nature. Are you following along? <laughs> I'm not sure. All right, thank you. They are repetitive in nature. They happen at a point in time, but the repetitive nature is in the idea when he says this happens daily in our lives. So the devoted disciple, as he begins to understand that I am going to deny myself, I'm going to take up my cross, these are point of times in action, but they happen repetitively. The devoted disciple, this aspect of denying self and taking up his cross, happens daily. So when Jesus, when we say Jesus is Lord of my life, and I pray that everyone in this room has had that moment when you have confessed Jesus is Lord. That is a point in time, yes? That's when we would say, I crossed the line of faith and I gave Jesus my life. Even at that point in time, we understand now that the faith that we are called and the walk we are called to walk happens over time progressively, right? I'm a follower of Jesus. I crossed the line of faith. I surrendered my life. That's a point in time. 
Now, from here on out, I need to learn to live out that decision of crossing that line of faith. So it would be similar uh, to those of us who are married. It's the same idea. We got married on a specific day, right? And we were legally married, bound in marriage. But we understand that that marriage now happens day by day by day. And that marriage, for that marriage to grow and that marriage to be healthy, we have to be devoted day in and day out. That's the idea about what it means for a man of God to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. As we deny ourselves daily, we begin to die to ourselves daily. As we die to ourselves daily, we become more devoted to Christ moment by moment. As we deny ourselves daily, we begin to die to ourselves daily, take up the cross, and as we begin to die to ourselves daily, we, begin, we become more devoted to Jesus Christ. So let me give you an example. When we get the opportunity to retaliate, or we get the opportunity to be angry. Have you had any of those lately? Or maybe you get the opportunity to gossip. Or maybe you get the opportunity to express a form of racism. Or maybe you get the opportunity to be vengeful. Is this connecting with anybody? Or you get the opportunity to be hateful. Those are opportunities that come my way quite often. I don't know about you. It seems that those opportunities find themselves at my doorstep. And when that opportunity arises, what I find out is, is when I deny myself of the opportunity to be hateful, to be unkind, to be bitter, to be resentful, to gossip. As I deny myself the opportunity to do those things, what happened is as I deny myself to retaliate, to gossip or whatever, what I am learning to do is not only deny myself, but die. To myself. Does that make sense? As I deny myself the opportunity to retaliate, to be angry, to be hateful, whatever it is, as I deny myself that opportunity, what I'm doing is now I'm learning to take up my cross daily and follow Him. The more I deny self, the more depth that I die unto Christ. Does that make sense? It reminds me of the story of some American missionary years ago. There was a little small band of missionaries, and they had a heart for Africa. And so they put a plan together, and they're like, we're going to Africa. And so they took off across the ocean on a ship. And as they were making that trip across the ocean, they got into a conversation with the captain of the ship. This wasn't his first time to Africa. During that conversation, the captain eventually says, Hey, fellas, you know you're going to die over there, right? One of the missionaries thought just for a moment, and he said, Captain, with all due respect, we died to ourselves before we boarded this ship. And that's what I think Jesus is saying. We have died to ourselves before we boarded this ship. Men, how devoted are you to Jesus? Are you denying those things in your life that's bringing about unfruitfulness, 
Are you, are you denying those things in your life, those thoughts, those habits, those relationships that are bringing about chaos in your life? How devoted are you to Jesus? Then there's this element of nurturing relationships. DNA, devotion, nurturing relationships. Man, doesn't it feel like sometimes that life is one gigantic, complicated relationship? Is that just me? It just feels like that life is this one giant ball of complicated relationships. And relationships are broken. They're fractured. It's like we play, uh, you, you remember the game Frogger? You guys remember the game? Don't you, don't you? No, not Frogger. No, 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 no. No, it's like whack the mole. The whack-a-mole, there it is. Yeah, whack-a-mole, mole pops up. You whack the mole, you whack that mole, and guess what? Another mole pops up. And, and that kind of describes relationships, right? You kind of get one relationship, you're like, oh, man, me and the wife, we're on the same page. <laughs> and, and then it's you and the kids are having issues. Or, or you and the kids got it together, now it's you and the wife, or it's you and the boss, or it's you and the friend. Or it's always me and someone having a relational issue. Has that ever happened to you? It's like when I get one relationship kind of moving in the right direction, we're on the same page, another one pops up and flares up, and, and we pay attention to that one. It's like it's just one gigantic, complicated relationship. Jesus was a master nurturer of relationships. He mastered relationships. In fact, Sharon and I, my wife, we've been watching uh, all the episodes of, of the Chosen series. And, and what I've noticed, one of the takeaways that I've seen in, in the series is how they portray Jesus and these relationships. I mean, how he related to people, how he loved people, how he encouraged people, how he spoke to people, who he spoke to, why he spoke to them. And, and there was this, this, this nurturing element to the relationship that Jesus had with people. And so as a man of God, I, I want to ask, how nurturing are your relationships? Are you and I facilitating relationships of health, harmony, peace, encouragement, as Jesus did? I, I don't have time this evening or this weekend, but in John chapter 21, uh, we did a message here a couple years ago, and it was called The Aftermath, and the message was about after the resurrection, what all happened to people. And, and we notice in John chapter 21 where Jesus finds some of his disciples have gone back to fishing. So they're, they're back fishing, and, and, and it is in this, uh, this context that I think we find Jesus and this beauty, uh, the beautiful case study of nurturing relationships. I'm not going to go there, but I encourage you to study it. I notice what Jesus does in John 21, not bringing it up, but I just want to mention these things. First of all, I notice that Jesus met those disciples where they were. He went and found those disciples. They were a little bit at odds, right? I mean, they weren't on the same page at this point. So Jesus finds them where they are, and he meets them there. And then when he finds them, he asks them a relevant question. He says, hey, have you guys caught any fish? Not what are you doing, where are you, why'd you blow it again? But he asks them a question that connects to their context. He wants to understand what they're thinking. Third thing that he does there is that he serves them at their point of need, right? He says, come on up, fellas, I've prepared breakfast. Now, how many of us would gladly, with grace and love, prepare a breakfast for people who have openly betrayed us. He serves them 
at their point of need, one of which betrayed him. And then he takes Peter aside. The last thing he does is that he tenderly initiates reconciliation with Peter. Man, it is a great case study in nurturing relationships. And Jesus was the master of nurturing relationships. The problem with relationships is that we all come from a different background of relational connection. Fair? You know, when you marry someone, just two people, right? And, and, and they come together and, and all of a sudden you know that she, she has this philosophy and he learned relationships this way and, and you try to harmonize all that together. It isn't easy to develop nurturing relationships because all of us come from different angles and different perspectives on relationships. That's why I think we look at Jesus and say, hey, he is the master and the model of nurturing relationships. Men, I just challenge you. Not only be a devoted disciple, not only nurture relationships, but last of all, be a man who lives out an apostolic mission. Who lives out an apostolic mission. We see this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, let me just let me de define apostolic mission. <clears throat> when I say apostolic mission, I'm talking about, and we see it on the screen, it's taking the gospel to places with little to no gospel influence. That's what I mean by apostolic mission. We see this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The scripture says, this is Jesus right before the ascension. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I think a man of God understands he is to be on an apostolic mission. So men, think about where you go, who you interact with, who you connect with. Most of us are going into spheres and places where the gospel has little to no present influence. And that's what it means to live on an apostolic mission. This morning here at the church, we had, we had a men's gathering at 9 a.m. And I invite you to our next men's gathering. If you weren't able to make it this time, uh, July 17th is the next men's gathering. <clears throat> but this morning we heard a message from Dr. Tony Evans, who pastors out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. At the end of that message, he told about his father. Dr. Evans grew up in Baltimore and admittedly says he was on the wrong path of life. His father wasn't a believer, but two men. He didn't mention their name. He didn't say much about the two men. But the two men witnessed to Dr. Evans' father. His father came to faith and eventually led his entire family including Dr. Tony Evans to faith as a, as a young man. And he talks about the significance of having a kingdom man in the home, a man who understands apostolic mission. Let me end with three questions around the DNA of a man of God. First of all, how deep is your devotion to Christ? As a man, how deep is your devotion? To Jesus Christ not to his church not to his cause but to the man the person Jesus Christ how well do you love him how important is he to you how much time do we spend with him what do we know that he's told us to do in the scriptures how deep is your devotion? Our devotion for Christ is measured 
by the extent of our daily denying of self. Remember Luke 9.23, deny yourself, take up your cross. Devotion is often measured in the extent of our denying self, taking up our cross. Devotion is expressed through our love for Christ, through our obedience to Christ, and through our sacrifice for his kingdom. How deep is your devotion to Jesus? Second question. How nurturing are your relationships? How nurturing? This is a stretch for most of us guys. We, 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 we didn't learn maybe a lot about nurturing relationships. And this is a stretch for us. That's why we look to Christ. That's why he's our example. Not another man in our life, but Jesus is our example of a nurturing, loving, tough love and tender love in our relationships. A couple things I want to challenge you with under this. If you're a married man or you're going to be married, first thing I would challenge you with is this. Love your wife. Love your wife. My father told me more than once, the best thing to do for your children is to love your wife. Love your wife. Second thing, bless your children. Bless your children. Encourage your children. Paul says, don't, don't exasperate your children. That's a big word, right? I think the Greek would say, don't tick the children off. Don't exasperate them. Encourage them. Raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. I love the passage in Matthew 3.17, the baptism of Jesus. Scripture says that Jesus comes up out of the water. There's a voice that comes out of heaven. Can you imagine being there that day? Thinking, huh? Did I just hear? And the Father says this. This is my Son, whom I love in whom I am well pleased. You know what's interesting about that? Jesus hadn't really even done anything yet that we know that was recorded, had he? It's not like he healed the blind man and here comes the father. That's my boy. No. It's not like, oh, that dude was crippled. Here comes the father. Like, guess what? There he is again. No, no. He blessed his son even before what we see in the Scripture Jesus had gone public with his ministry. Guys, let that be a lesson to us because we love to bless our children when they're doing well, when they bring home the A's. In my case, bring home the C's. If I brought home a C, we threw a party in my house. My dad's like, that's amazing. C's, C's get degrees is all I know, baby. But let's don't wait till they become what we think they should become. Let's, let's bless them now. Let's bless them now. I would encourage you, you, you fathers, there's a message that I listened to a couple weeks ago by Dallas Willard, and I found this on YouTube. It's entitled Fathers and Sons. The speaker is Dallas Willard. I encourage you to listen to that message. He talks, he goes in detail about the blessing. Last thing, fellas, I want to encourage you with, how are you living out this apostolic mission? How are you living out the apostolic mission? And again, what am I talking about? I'm simply saying, how are you being that witness of Jesus? And where are you being that witness of Jesus, right? Just out there being the hands and the feet, that Acts 1-8 challenge to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth.
Uh, son, will you bring me that journal, please? I want to end our time tonight. And I want to take all that we've talked about. And I want to wrap it up. And I want to read you something out of a journal. My journal. And I think what I'm going to read you to this evening encompasses what I'm talking about when I say being a man of God that's a devoted disciple, that nurtures relationships, and lives on an apostolic mission. This is an older journal. In fact, I got this journal in 2005. <clears throat> I, I just call this entry when I entered this journal writing, I entered it on February the 1st, 2006. That's some 15 years ago, correct? It's a journal entry that I never forgot that I entered, but I wasn't sure what all it said. So I'm just calling this the release. And, and all of this is centered upon a conversation that I had with my father uh, as he was very, very sick. And so I'm going to read most of this to you. Uh, Stuart, there's a picture, I think, of, of my dad. This is it's not a great picture. Sorry about the quality. Uh, but this is my dad there at the bottom. About, oh man, eight, nine, ten. It's about five months before he passed away with cancer. He'd been sick for about five and a half years. So what I'm going to read happened about a year and a half before this picture. I said I'm writing about the life-empowering conversation that I had with my dad on January the 26th. As we sat together in his hospital room, on a Thursday afternoon, I felt that we were going to have a conversation. I was 41 years old. We had a conversation. It began with my dad asking me a question of which way I was heading. Was my family planning to move back to Oklahoma City or to remain in Phoenix. We have lived here about six years at that time. It was a life-empowering, God-inspired moment. I felt God in that hospital room as my father spoke from his soul to mine. He was clear. He was concise. He was inspiring. He mainly did all of the talking. I just listened. Again, I felt that this conversation went beyond a heart-to-heart -heart with my father, but it went soul-to-soul. -soul. My dad began with what he felt was God's will for me at this moment in my life. He said and he believed that my future was in Phoenix, that I had work to do, and that I should finish what I had started. That would be this ministry. He said that there was nothing in Oklahoma City for me and my family and that the best opportunity was in Phoenix. He said that his cancer was not enough reason, a strong enough reason, for our family to move back to Oklahoma City to be with him. 
He says, I think that your family enjoys Phoenix and would be happy staying there. He said much more in the conversations, and toward the end of the conversation, he, he told me to love God more than him. I told him that I would. Again, with a shaky voice, breaking into an emotional moment, my father, laying on a hospital bed, pointing upward, said, love God more than me. I moved toward him. I, I cradled his head into my hands. As I moved toward him face to face, I told him that I loved him. After that moment, I wrote, I sat back down on one of those uncomfortable hospital couches. You know the ones I'm talking about. The ones they want you to sleep on. You go, yeah, right. When I sat down, I wrote that I looked back at my father laying in that hospital bed. And I wrote this. He, he stuck his thumb up in the air and he said, go for it. I'm behind you. In that moment, I encountered the blessing, the rite of passage that I had received something at that point in my life that I had never received before. I will never forget that day, those words, and I wrote this, that big thumb sticking up in the air. My father was a small man, but he had a giant thumb. <laughs> a giant, big hands. He was an iron worker before he was a pastor. And he had these big, strong hands and a giant thumb. And I, <laughs> I wrote about that thumb again. In that moment, we had gone to a place that I'd never gone before with my father, a deep place of the soul, a place of freedom, a place of a father's validation, the most incredible place that I had ever been. Without question, January 26, 2006 was one of the most significant days of my life. I don't know why he said what he said to me that day, but God does. And God was in that room in that moment. And God spoke through my sick, cancer-laden father into the depth of my soul. When I think about the DNA of a man, I think about a man, a father, a son, who will encourage their children to love the Lord more than they love them. Jesus said it himself. You are to love me more than any earthly relationship. That's a devoted disciple. There's a nurturing aspect to what my father, what, he, what happened that day in that, that hospital room. There is a nurturing element to it. And there is an apostolic mission in the midst of everything that he said to me that day. Finish what you start. I can hear him saying it today. Finish what you start. And who knows, it's maybe that conversation that has us here in this moment. I don't know. But fathers, dads, granddads, let that DNA sink deep within who you are because we're not only passing on our physical DNA, guess what? We're passing on our spiritual DNA as well.
Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this time. I do pray for the men in the room, the young men. Father, that we will leave this room understanding that we are to be a devoted disciple, devoted to you, denying self, taking up our cross, and following hard after you. Lord, that we are to be tender in our nurturing relationships. Yes, there is a time for, for, for tough love, no question. Jesus was both tender and tough in his loving relationships. So, Father, give us the wisdom on how to do that with our, our families, with our relationships, to be tender, to be tough, to be nurturing, to be encouraging, as Paul says. Encourage one another while you can. So let us be those men who encourage each other. And Father, help us to live out this apostolic mission, a mission based upon being witnesses of Jesus into the places and the spaces that we go and we live, that your name may go forth with more power and glory throughout the earth. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.